everyone, welcome to Justice Losers, the most unqualified podcast exploring irrelevant questions about entertainment, namely movies, TVs, and comics. I'm your host, Preston, joined as always by my delightful co-host, Batman. Matt, what should people do? Like, subscribe, and check out something, I guess. Yeah. We our, exist, but... Our Instagram is barely. currently on hold right now because yep. life has been absolutely nuts for us you know what? everybody send us an email just us losers at gmail.com it doesn't even have to be five paragraph format just it send does. us it does they can be five very short paragraphs yeah i've i've written a script that will immediately discard any email that is not five paragraph essay you look for like four new lines yep you could actually do that you I, can you look probably, for... yeah i'm sure it'd be pretty easy i can to do that you, you don't do know that. how to I, code. I don't know very much about coding <laughs> I can, in Excel, I can do a thing that says, okay, sum these cells. Wow. You know, you don't even have to make a format for that. You can literally just drag it. It's in the bottom right. It's in the bottom right. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Matt. Preston. What you been up to? Uh, well, not sleeping enough. I can tell you that. Oh, me too. Why are you not sleeping enough? Uh, because I'm just too busy. Oh, yeah. I just, I sleep plenty, except my right eye has been twitching for a week. Oh. Which makes, which tells me that I'm tired and mm-hmm. I'm constantly tired, even though I've been sleeping like eight to 10 hours every night. Huh. I don't understand it. Interesting. Yeah. Well, how about anyway. That? Anyway, uh, I have been chipping up to some stuff, barely. Not okay. much. Uh, last week on our vacation episode. Yeah. Check out our campfire episode. It was kind of fun. Yeah. Put a computer in between a bunch of us and we just talked yeah. mostly about Loki. Yeah. And then about. A lot of Loki and then we kind of round tables and stuff. What, what, what have we been up to? Yeah. Um, I mentioned that I was uh, in the middle of the Oxbow Incident uh, book um, in that campfire discussion. And I finished that book on the plane home. Okay. Uh, and it's really, really good. And the last chunk is like, oh, oh, no. Oh. Bad? <laughs> de- oh, no. No, depressing. Oh. Yeah. Um, so... So explain the book again for people who didn't. So for people who didn't watch the vacation episode. Or pay attention when you were talking. When I was talking. I presume you're not paying attention now when I'm talking. Right. But I'll say it again for the benefit of people who want to hear it again. Yeah. So the Oxbow Incident is a Western. It's a Western novel and it very much is written in that Western style. Um, Short, punchy sentences, cowboy, stoic cowboy characters and uh, stuff like that. Uh, But it was written in 1940. Uh, which, I mean, there were plenty of Westerns right then. It was a popular genre coming into the big screen. Um, Stagecoach was a big movie, 1939, John Wayne's breakout role. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the Oxbow Incident is more of what I can characterize as an anti-Western. Um, so the story is there's a couple of cowboys and they've been kind of up in the mountains doing cowboy stuff for a while. Um, mostly not with each other. Mostly. Um <laughs> I'm giving a... He's giving a great little look to the camera for you audio listeners there. Uh, Audio humor at its best. Yep. Yes. Um, They they come down into town and they just have enough time to pour themselves a drink when a kid comes riding into town from another one of the ranches and says, hey, you know those cattle rustlers we've been suspecting have been around rustling cattle for a while? Well, they upped and shot one of our dudes right in the face. Oh, no. Oh, no. So town goes all abuzz really quickly and they rally together a posse to go out and track down these guys and they track down some guys and they're like all right you must be the guys and the guys are like we're, we're not the guys we have perfectly logical explanations for why we're out here in the middle of winter well no it's like springtime why we're out here in the middle of springtime with a whole bunch of cows and no bill of sale and we totally didn't shoot the guy even though we have his gun no 
They definitely shot the guy. Except maybe they didn't shoot the guy. Oh, did they maybe not shoot the they guy? They didn't shoot the guy. And so oh, like, the whole w- middle chunk of the book is like, did these guys shoot the guy? They what might have they shoot the guy. Shoot maybe the they guy? didn't shoot the guy. Yeah, and so it's it's not like a, a straightforward cowboy murder mystery kind of thing as much as it's like a investigation of mob justice and its role in the American frontier. And, Ooh. Um, sort of tackling the... it's It does very much the anti-Western thing of tackling the... Uh, sort of hyper-masculine ideal of the cowboy, which mm-hmm. is, um, you know, there's good qualities in there, but it can be a very destructive thing right. if taken as a whole and if put into circumstances where that um, strength becomes brittle. Yeah. Sort of. So it asks a lot of interesting questions. It's um, It's kind of a slow read. It takes place over the course of about a day and a half, and it's like, 250 300 pages it's mm. basically written in real time just like oh as yeah i remember you talking about this um, yeah so it it drags a little bit and there's a lot of characters will kind of break off from the main group and have a little philosophical conversation about what's going on for three or four pages oh. which is a little ayn rand but fun a little what ayn rand how's that atlas shrugged mm. he's culturally illiterate mm-hmm. we'll cast him out i'm also just illiterate yeah um ayn rand was a uh, philosopher and allegedly a writer um, in the uh, mid-20th century. Um, She wrote Atlas Shrugged, which is sort of a libertarian um, flashpoint, but not exactly the the premise is like, hey, here's all these um, superpower businessmen people and they all start going missing and they go off to the little secret commune and it's Mm. a utopia and it's... um, it's a lot of just moralizing and philosophy gotcha. shoved into a novel. Um, okay. But it's a, it does just a little bit of that, and it's not too bad because like, the characters are really well drawn. There's mm-hmm. a bunch of them, but you, you get each of their own perspectives, and you kind of understand where they're coming from, and you get to play their little tensions against each other. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's really well done. Um, the movie's also good. Uh, I haven't seen the movie in a long time, but I remember really liking it at the time. It's got henry fonda as the main guy oh yeah um so yeah oxbow incident i'm i really like anti-westerns uh which on the flight back uh not the one where i was reading the oxbow incident unfortunately i'd finished it but um the last flight back the guy got into the seat next to me and he had a copy of blood meridian which is another anti-western oh that i wrote a paper on in college because i liked it so much and I was like, oh, sweet. This guy's going to get into it. And at some point, he's going to take a break, and I'm going to engage him in conversation. It's going to be great. And then he never cracked the book open. He just played on his phone the entire flight. And I was like, okay, you're just a poser. <laughs> hey, I was on my phone. I am also a poser. You're a poser. I'm a poser. I pretend to read books. I've not read books. I've read four books. You know, that's more than some people can say. And I'm, I feel I'm like it's you. not. Well, actually, no, that I guess yeah. considering that I'm not including any book that I read or half read in school. Yeah. I've read four books of my own yeah. on my own. Right. Fully. Yes. Four full books. I have half read so many books on my own. Yeah. Actually, that's not true. I read some books. I read uh, about four of the Rangers Apprentice series. Okay. Like on my own. Yeah, that's something. I read a few of the Harry Potters on my own. Sure. Um, I read The Hobbit. I actually did read The Hobbit forever ago. Okay. Like, on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I read the first 60 pages of The Silmarillion, so that doesn't count. Oof. Yeah. I mean, the first 60 pages are great, but... I don't remember them. I remember it being very biblical. Yeah. No, the the opening, like, 
creation myth is awesome. Yeah. But, but yeah. So, uh, you never talk to him cause he's a poser. Yeah. Never talk to him cause he's a poser and made me kind of sad. But yeah. What are you going to do? Um, anything else? I just want to say, I'm really proud of you for like taking the choice to sit down as an adult and actually read some books. It's something that not enough people do. And I really Thanks. respect you for it. Thank you. That was <laughs> my I'm in kind of a wholesome mood. <laughs> my brain is not, doesn't know how to file this away. <laughs> so, you know how I like getting under people's skin? Yeah. Like this that's, is the next iteration of that. The Just next iteration is unmitigated positivity. Oh God. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Uh, all right. Um, let's see. So I did that. Uh, I have watched the second episode of Loki, but not the third episode. Mm-hmm. So I'm behind the times. I won't talk too much about that. <laughs> behind the time. Uh, I'm done. Thanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm enjoying it, but I'll, I figure I'll just bounce off your conversation when you talk about it a little right. more. Um, I watched, oh, the, uh, the first episode of Rick and Morty season five dropped on YouTube. Oh yeah. Adult Swim just put it on their YouTube channel. Yeah, they do that. Here you go. For the people. Is it fine? Yeah, it's pretty fine. All right. Yeah. It seems like they've toned the F word down a little bit. Clearly they've been listening, taking some notes. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Adult Swim. We have a great, we have a great listener base and we have a Mm -hmm. very broad reach. Yep. Very, very proud of that. No, but it's, uh, it's good. It feels like classic Rick and Morty. It does some good shenanigans and it does some existential stuff without beating you over the head with it mostly jessica becomes a time god it's a little weird yeah but there's been those things that happened in like the first season yeah so yeah all right yeah it's uh it's fine i'll watch the i'll watch episode two when if it, they put it on youtube if they put it on youtube they probably won't it's probably, probably a yeah it's probably a, a gimmick to get you to watch it what's it on is it on hulu uh it's on hulu i think it's also on hbo max okay um wow what's a, that's an interesting yeah huh so i'll, have to, I'll I don't have know. To take i'll have to take a gander mm-hmm. at some point i've got so many other things to do though yeah you done yep all right okay i've got a list it. let's do it let's I've do got, it. this is a combination of things that i finally finished some things i've done things i've forgotten to mention um, but also, mostly it's one big rant about one specific thing that I'll I'm just get gonna, to in I'm a gonna minute. I'm going to sit back. It's I'm not gonna, a rant. It's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put myself out of the distance of the mic and just let you go. No, it's actually, it's not as much of a rant. It's something I want to dig a little bit more into, which I, I'm going to save it for the end because it could be an interesting conversation about writing stories. I'm too far away from the mic. I <laughs> so I'll start with, uh, I finished Tinker Taylor. I did talk about that in the last episode. Yes. Um, but when I read it the last episode, we just it just revealed who the person was. Right. Um, who the mole the was. Yeah. And then you start to get a we we talked about it a little bit. Um, yeah, no, it, I it's. It treats the audience like an adult where it basically uh, it it's really weird to explain an adult, it, a single adult. It he lines, has so little faith in his book that it would only sell one copy to one adult. It lines out the entire explanation of what happened very mm-hmm. clearly right at the end, mm-hmm. but in a way that it makes sense that the characters would still do that. Mm-hmm. It had the we fought a ducks. Like right. it was so as long as you were paying a little bit of attention every once in a while. I like, wasn't. Right. Uh then you get 
the story. It, it's really good. Um, I am going to go back and read it again now that I kind of know, because I didn't know the full explanation of why. I knew who mm-hmm. it was, but now I know more at more of the inner workings of the situation and mm-hmm. who else was kind of involved, albeit inadvertently. And right. so I can go back and read it again. Uh, but I have started reading. Uh, I was on the plane and I didn't want to be on my phone the whole time. So I started reading The Honorable Schoolboy. Hey, that means you're not a poser. Yay! Uh, the Honorable Schoolboy, which is the sequel. It is right. It, it's in the fallout of the Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy mm-hmm. uh, revelation and the circus, which is the uh, English espionage group intelligence agency mm-hmm. uh, is in like shambles. And the the premise is that it's a uh, I'm not entirely certain what the exact premise is because I'm only a couple chapters in. It's also a hundred more pages than Tinker Taylor and oh. eighteen fewer chapters. So they were much uh, thicker chapters. Okay. So I'm like two chapters in, but it's also it's following kind of a couple. It's a, a little ragtag group of journalists that are oh. oh. This weird uh, rich guy that lives, so they're in Hong Kong, and mm-hmm. like there's this one weird rich guy that lives that that is a that they know is a spook or a spy mm-hmm. uh, that lives in Hong Kong, just up and left out of nowhere. Okay. Uh, there was a guy who tracked down all the information. He's like he's been gone. There's the sale of all like all the furniture and stuff like that. So he literally up and left, and. Then Lacar proceeds to spend 18 pages of this little group of journalists going to the uh, that house to see if they can figure it out mm-hmm. and describing in visceral detail the temperature, the rain, the the aesthetic of the area. <laughs> like, it's just like it, I, I know what that place looks like. <laughs> That's useful. Um, but it's also really interesting because it's got a lot of really fascinating characters. Like all the mm-hmm. characters have very clear ideas of journalism and stuff like that all right um but i'm only two chapters in Mm -hmm. i will update when i finish it so that's what i'm working on next except for my giant stack of comics which i'll get to in a second okay uh what else have i done i uh we just watched ragnarok uh Uh, so our big mcu watch through watch ragnarok so great so good i haven't seen it in maybe a year all the way through Mm -hmm. and it's just it's so fun. I love Taika Waititi. Now that I'm a little bit more attuned to his style because I've watched Wilder People and mm-hmm. like noted stuff. Um, there's it's his dialogue where it's just straight on um, camera shots mm-hmm. of two people going back and forth where it's not really at an angle or over the shoulder shots. It's straight on and yep. it's just it just i i love his style mm-hmm. it's just so it's so fast it's so quirky and then they're improvised all yep. their improvised moments um it uh, so i love tom hiddleston oh yeah um, don't we all i will uh, so i've liked tom hiddleston okay um and then in loki episode one we talked about this a little bit in the last episode mm-hmm. Uh, there's a scene spoilers for episode one. If you haven't seen it, it'll be maybe 30 seconds. So if you haven't seen episode one, tune out right now. Uh, when he's watching everything that's happened Mm -hmm. in his not future in his past 
self future right. thing. Uh, his facial reactions, we can see everything he's thinking. Yeah. Like he just with his eyes and with his like eyebrows, it is just he is a phenomenal actor when it comes to facial acting. And there are act a lot of actors that can do that. It's not an uncommon thing, but it's just it's it's jaw dropping to see it done that well in the context of like MCU. Mm-hmm. And uh so it he does it in that scene and it continues through the show. Like you can just tell he's a fantastic facial actor. And then watching Ragnarok, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. There are several moments where it's just something tips off something in his mind and like you can see the conflict within him yep. and just seeing inner monologue. Like you can read the pages of inner, inner monologue that would be in a book in yeah. his eyes. Um, so because of watching Loki and me loving uh, Tom Hiddleston, I looked up what what else he's been in. And you've told me this and I didn't remember it. The Night Manager. Yeah. So I watched the first episode of The Night Manager. Yes. Finally got you on that. <laughs> Been waiting. Uh, the Night Manager is a miniseries that is based on a novel written by John LeCar, who is the guy who wrote Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yeah. John LeCar is like the guy that I apparently really love. Yeah. Because Night Manager is so fantastic. I haven't Isn't finished. It? I, it's just the first episode. Yeah. But I just wanted to see and. It doesn't let down. Oh, I'm so excited. It, I haven't had time since watching the first one because we've right. been doing other stuff but uh that's another thing i've been up to is i watched the first one and there's a scene right at the very beginning where a woman one of the characters is like walking across the screen and it cuts to him and again you can see the pages of inner monologue of him basically completely constructing like deconstructing reconstructing the situation that's going on yep. in his head and you understand exactly what he's thinking yep if you're paying close enough attention uh, sure <laughs> Great. But it's just, I love him so much. Yeah, I, I'm on a bender of Tom Hiddleston right now. <laughs> Fair enough. I can't wait to watch the rest of it. Um, do you think you should play James Bond? Who? Maybe you should finish the Night Manager before I, I should finish the Night Manager. Question, but, um, I think that's a bit of a complicated question, given that now Amazon Prime owns MGM, mm-hmm. and James Bond might completely change their formula and it might not fit tom hiddleston anymore true it might be more of a like i i feel like what's going to happen is it's going to become a wait no night manager is amazon prime it's is it a prime original i believe it's a prime original i think it's a prime original okay Okay. maybe they can do maybe they maybe they will bring james bond back to a little bit more of a spy like an espionage stuff because it hasn't been that no it's been much more action yeah Yeah. um and Hiddleston, they, Hiddleston would make a pretty low-key James Bond. Yeah. I hate you. I love it, though. It's but, not my joke. <laughs> <laughs> that I, I actually, if they do bring it back to more early James Bond, where it's, it is more espionage, and then mm-hmm. um, based on that one page that you randomly flipped to in the book that we found in uh, Montana that was just a <laughs> sex scene, apparently. It's racy. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I think he'd be... He seems... I don't know how I'm assuming I will see more of kind of the personality of James Bond later in night manager, which is why I assume why you mentioned that. Um, but also I think when it comes to espionage stuff, the reason that I think I'm so excited about this, about night manager is there's so, and the reason I love Tinker Taylor is because you have to read people's reactions, knowing what they know in order to understand the plot. 
Right. Like the genuine, we fought a ducks. And I think with Tom Hiddleston being a, such a, such a good facial actor, I think that'd be great Mm -hmm. to have him do more espionage stuff. Cause yeah, you you need that. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it'd be a good James one. Okay. Um, we also just watched black Panther today. Oh. By way, I mean me and Caitlin. Like, right. For people who don't know, we're watching through all the MCU stuff. Um, that's a fantastic movie. It's a pretty good movie. I, it's the music. I remembered, because I've only seen it once, and that was when we watched it in the theaters. Mm-hmm. So I forgot a lot about it, including yeah. like the reveal that happens right at the very beginning, where it's uh, you got a guy who's being a traitor, and then King T'Chaka comes in and is like, Ah, uh, why have you betrayed me? And then he's just like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he's like, Hey, Z Z Z, his buddy, uh, Forrest Whitaker. No, not Forrest Whitaker. Who's the guy that had the stroke? Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forrest Whitaker's character. He's like, Ah, I'm also Wakanda, and I've been spying on you. Does a little thing like, Oh, shit! Like I actually <laughs> reacted. Anyway. The music is fantastic. Yes. We've talked about it before when on our review, mm-hmm. uh, how it marries hip hop in the context of Killmonger mm-hmm. and the modern realm, including Sheree. Uh, mm-hmm. Why? I don't know why I struggled so hard with that. That was tough. Uh, she listens to that a little bit. Um, and then to the, uh, like the tribal music of general Wakanda, including, uh, T'Challa, but like also just anytime there's anything that has to do with like the tribal stuff, it's got tribal and anc- like music, and then mm-hmm. anything that has to do with ancestral stuff. So when they're on the ancestral plane, there's mm-hmm. that that motif with the strings, but then it also comes in when T'Challa and Kingmonger or Killmonger are fighting, mm-hmm. uh, because you know they're like it's fighting essentially for their ancestors, yeah, and it's... so like it kind of has that ancestral, mm-hmm. uh backing of it and like that just i didn't notice that the first time i didn't read in it I was like oh they're yeah. just fighting because they're mad at each other and now i'm just like oh my god they're fighting for their fathers who are dead there's there yeah. it's a blood feud of family and it's mm-hmm. um which just hit me a whole new level yeah. by having that music playing in the background instead of just like action pack music it was yep. look ancestors <laughs> so yep so good who's the do you remember who the composer was in that? Ludwig Göransson. Ludwig Göransson. What else is Tenet? There it is. Did we like Tenet's music? I think I liked Tenet's music. You liked Tenet's music a <laughs> lot coming out of it. I didn't love it in the movie, but it's growing on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually did download it a few weeks ago. Um, Downloaded it? Yeah. Bought it. Get Spotify. I can't put Spotify <laughs> in my Zune. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I'm not joking about that. He has a Zune. I have a Zune. Yep. <laughs> I use it. Uh, no, it, it's really great music to work out to. Oh. Because um, it's got like a good driving beat, mm-hmm. um, but it's got its quieter moments where you need where you can relax intensity and it's got it. I'm discovering, I'm trying to, to start running more um, just to, you know, get my exercise, get yeah. my steps in for the day. Get in shape. Get in shape. We don't want to be these fat comic book readers. Um. And I'm discovering that, so I, I basically just listen to movie soundtracks when I run. Mm. Um, and I need ones that have generally enough energy to, you know, keep me moving, um, mm-hmm. that have enough quiet moments where I can let myself relax at times, and that have at least 
two or three moments where it's just pure adrenaline hypes me up and I can kind of go into a sprint for a little bit. Um, What's a a good example? Um, Let's see. Uh, The uh, dream is collapsing from inception when it goes into the full bomb, bomb. Okay. I'm going to take your word for it. I don't remember exactly. Um, Yeah. Uh, Tenet soundtrack has, okay. Tenet soundtrack has one of those, the uh, 47, the 747, the, Oh yeah, where it's exploding and running into yeah, it's got the it's really the track is so cool. It starts off with this just this little pizzicato strings motif, bum bum bum, like drops a Mm -hmm. minor ninth, and then it just it basically takes that and builds that motif into this giant climax, and it's very cool. Cool. I'm I'm coming around on it. All right, Gorenson, what a dude. I'll take a listen to it. I think he did the Venom soundtrack too. Oh. Which I remember kind of like. Hey, that movie's coming out. That second movie's coming out. Oh, soon. yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. But anyway. But anyway. Black Panther is phenomenal. Yes. Um, the. I. I mean, I remembered. It was. It's one of the first movies that, like, I maintained a lot of information because I was watching it critically mm-hmm. for the review. So I maintained a lot of, like, or retained a lot of the details so i kind of i knew what was happening going right. on there's a few small details uh it definitely it dated itself with the what are those reference it dated those which in its own in the theater literally in the theater uh, yeah. was like that's out of date <laughs> that was really funny when they wrote it in the script yep um but uh like killmonger's mentality and ruthlessness and motivation is just phenomenal Mm -hmm. it is is it's a good villain great villain um we also watched uh she and i went to the theater to watch in the heights Ah. have you seen in the heights yet i haven't seen in the heights yet uh did you like hamilton i liked hamilton i'm not in love with hamilton but i liked Hamilton. i am in love with hamilton uh what did you like about hamilton um That's a great question. I'm really glad you asked that question. I haven't thought about the answer to that question in a long time. Um, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I like about Hamilton. Okay, well, that, that felt like you were building up to that. Uh, I'll let you do that. The characters all have very clear motivations and goals mm-hmm. and uh, uh, characterizations that, when paired with each other, create interesting conflicts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pinnacle example of that is literally hamilton and burr uh the two of them Mm -hmm. like their opposing goals create the conflict of the whole musical um and after watching in the heights i have 100 percent confidence that lin-manuel miranda is one of the best ensemble cast character writing people in the world okay that's a very (laughs) specific category but it's one to be good at it Within the Heights, so first of all, the music is great. I mm-hmm. it's just what it's is so in fun. the Heights? Tell the people. In the Heights know. is it is uh it, it from the con blah, blah, blah. it is a musical that is a story being told by the main character Usnavi, mm-hmm. who is played by Anthony Ramos. Hey. Uh, in the original musical, it was played by Lin Manuel Miranda, mm-hmm. uh, and he's telling the story of him in wash growing up in washington heights not really growing up but mm-hmm. being grown up in washington heights and the whole thing is that there is this group that, that everyone in washington heights they're all latino they come from uh there's a a group that comes from the dominican republican there's a cube group that comes from cuba there's a group that comes from uh mexico they're all like 
it's such a heavy Latino community. Mm-hmm. And they all have dreams. The whole thing kind of stems from this, like the American dream. So many of them mm-hmm. are immigrant children of immigrants or right. immigrants themselves coming to America to to, to have the American dream. Mm-hmm. And they all have these dreams of what they want to do. And it's it's kind of that story of them being mid 20s to 30, uh, like the group uh, and. um, To keep it ambiguous making progress towards their dream or achieving their dream or not achieving their dream or changing their dream based on things. It's, it's all about their dreams and okay. how their dreams interact. And there, there are about five characters that are kind of, I think about five ballparking right now um, that are the uh, kind of focal point of it. And all of them have. And so the reason when I mentioned their motivations and their goals mm-hmm. is they all have their goals goals and what they value and some and as humans sometimes their goals and what they value don't perfectly align but they kind of fit together with other people's goals and what they value in these really interesting puzzle pieces that create character conflicts in between the like the pairs of them among the pairs of them that just makes a phenomenal story that writes itself Mm -hmm. i feel like that's what he does Okay. Is he didn't really do it with Hamilton because those people existed, right. but uh, well, he kind of he takes a little creative he, licensing. Creative he can, licensing, he can right around it. Um, but he has this character wanted to do this, and because of these given situations, is now in this conflict that can't tell people because of this specific conflict, mm-hmm. and has like you understand that character. And first five songs are all literally just each of them singing, explaining what their character arcs are right. or their character motivations are. And then you just watch it play out where a character who has this, th- their sole motivation is a trying to do that motivation, but it directly con- conflicts with a character B who has a different motivation and you understand exactly why that happens. Uh And you can see those coming together to collide at one given moment. And you're like, Oh no. Oh no. And then like some character B is backed up by sub character C, Mm -hmm. which is, has a very unique relationship with character a right that like, so it's just, there's, there's no bad guy. Mm -hmm. And, and that's something that it, it does that even better than Hamilton. Cause with Hamilton, Burr is kind of the bad guy. Like you understand yeah. his motivations and everything, but he's the closest um, thing to a villain you get aside from right. King George. Right. <laughs> da, da, um, da, da. Which has an appearance in the movie. Yeah. It's literally a holding, holding music is just, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, you'll be back. Um, but it's, there's no villain. It's literally just the fact that people's, motivations lead them into natural conflicts with each other mm-hmm. and i loved it so much okay. because it i you know how much i love just dread yes <laughs> weird enough <but> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's yeah that's it mm-hmm. uh so you would you say it's a dreadful movie it's a dreadfully amazing movie okay <laughs> um it doesn't it there's a couple points where you're like, you know, I feel like it should be wrapping up soon. And then it wraps up. Okay. Um, it's a little predictable from the beginning. Um, sure. There are character archetypes that you look at that character archetype and you're like, I know exactly what's going to happen with this person. 
Uh, and then that's exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah. It, it, and also it's just crazy to see uh, Stephanie Beatrice be as like high pitched and like loud and colorful ah. as she is in that <laughs> when I'm fully used to her as Rosa. <laughs> um but no it is a it's a phenomenal movie um i'm absolutely gonna want to watch it again mm-hmm. and i i was fully exp- i okay it also might not be as good as i think because i think i was going into it expecting it to be complete bad like just uh. not good because it's manuel miranda's first one uh-huh. and so i was expecting like he perfected the art with hamilton which he did sure but Maybe maybe the musical. If I went back and went back and watched the raw musical, it wouldn't be as good. But mm-hmm. because he's had the experience with Hamilton and he tweaked it, there are definitely some situations that uh, that not situations, shots and events that I feel like can't really happen on the stage. So mm-hmm. it's probably some elements. There's sure. a whole musical number fully on at a pool, mm-hmm. and there's stuff that definitely didn't happen on stage first but like, 20 rows get a free whatever you call the thing <laughs> get you put splash over zone yeah <laughs> um Poncho. there is one moment i think my biggest problem with it there's one moment towards the end that it seems to break the reality that the movie has created mm. so up until then it's been a pretty grounded reality with a couple little uh there's like a daydream moment mm-hmm. that since it's a daydream is fine that it was a little fantastical had giant swaths of fabric coming over buildings. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a couple other things where it's, uh, it's just, uh, people are doing hand motions and there's little animations that pop up with it. Mm -hmm. Um, but then there's, you get a little bit of hyper reality. Yeah. But then there's one song towards the end that two characters that gravity shifts and they're dancing along the side of a building Mm -hmm. and it feels like it's going too hyper reality for how much they've done so far okay it was the only part that i was like what's happening (laughs) (laughs) did the building fall over (laughs) because they they movies do that where they throughout the movie they kind of convince you what the reality is Mm -hmm. and then if at the end of the movie something way different happens it kind of catches you off guard um it was very seamless Mm -hmm. how they did it because it was during a musical number and like the first uh when they transitioned from upright gravity to sideways gravity was literally they did it so carefully that i didn't notice it until the guy just like basically did a flip and landed on the side of the building <laughs> because it had one character sitting mm-hmm. against the the back so as like cuz it was a rig like they did right. with inception so as it was leaning backwards the back her back was on the ground uh, so you didn't see her move at all right. and he was just leaning in just the right way that like he could support himself mm-hmm. so it was until he literally just like made one move and was suddenly uh, sideways like whoa and then my ADHD brain decided the next two minutes that I needed to figure out how the f- they did that. <laughs> um, going back wasn't as seamless because you could kind of see how they were sliding back and leaning into it. Sure. Um, but that that movie magic, yo. <laughs> That's cool. I was like, oh, oh, they're sideways now. How do they do that? Uh, <laughs> CGI, maybe. <laughs> Uh, and then she kept stepping on windows that would definitely have broken. So my brain caught onto that oh, stuff, yeah, but for sure. 
No, but it is a wonderful movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's so much fun. I highly recommend it to everybody to go check it out. I'll um, just do that very thing. Do it! Okay. Uh, right now. Adios. Uh, what else have I done? I watched the first two Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I'm working my way through uh, the entire series. One of those is good. Uh, the first one's good. First one's great. First one's fantastic. Beautiful movie. Because we, I've, I've done, I, I did this one before, um, where I, I kind of knew about them and I knew that later movies were bad, and I was like, mm-hmm. the first one's not gonna be that good. And I watched it. It was just on my laptop, mm-hmm. just sitting in my chair, and then I, I, I literally pulled it up on Netflix on my laptop, sitting in my chair, expecting to just turn it off in about 15 minutes. And then suddenly I watched the entire movie sitting there. Like it's a captivating movie. Yeah, it is a very good movie. Cap- capped uh, ah. <laughs> um i should pirate it uh <laughs> this ship has sailed <laughs> um booty <laughs> uh the second movie's not bad no the second, the second movie's fine. totally acceptable yeah it, I, it blows it, out the sort of the nature of the world and its rules get very weird but right and so the second one is where he gets eaten by the thing at the end, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, not looking forward to the next one because I've heard the next one is at world's end, right? Yeah. Because yeah. they have to go to like the world's end to find him and it just yep. becomes way more fantastical. Yeah. They start to get really wrapped up in their own mythology yeah. pretty quickly there. Um, so, but I'm going to watch it. I'm going to truck through all of them because I yep. feel like I need to do it because they are doing the new one. They're bringing back the full cast. Yep. And something tells me this one's going to be good. I don't know what it is. I just, I'm a Pisces and ADHD. And apparently both of them have very good intuition. Okay. Something tells me this one's going to be good. All right. I said the same thing about Terminator six and well, you're not a, Oh, you are a Pisces. Am I? Yeah. I thought I was Aquarius. Oh, maybe you are. I don't know. I don't know. I know nothing. I don't care. Kaylin is super into astrology and she's also a Pisces. So like she tells me that we're good at, uh, at intuition and I've had a lot of moments where I'm like, I have a feeling this is going to happen. And then exactly that it happens. Um, so I feel like I'm pretty good. And then also I saw a TikTok that apparently ADHD has like a superpower of intuition. So I don't know. I just feel like it's going to be good. Maybe it's not going to be the best movie. It might not live up to one, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm, I, my, my guess is, is I'm going to put it between one and two. Okay. It needs to be better than two, but not as good as one. I just, I just feel like it's gonna be good. Okay, and that's what made me want to go watch all these movies. <laughs> all right. Also, that I haven't seen three or four or five. Yeah. Um, four is not on Disney Plus. That's fine. I've, I've no five is the one that only has Johnny Depp, right? Yes. Yeah, because the other two left. Right. Um, but four is currently in a weird. Uh, has a has a a deal with stars. Oh to be there so i'm waiting for that deal to end okay but i'll watch them i'll rest the rest the rest of the rest of them eventually yep poor you i feel very sorry for you yeah well it'll be fine yep i'm back to reading comics finally yay uh i'm starting to worry about you i got a thick stack of comics to read through yeah um and the first on that list is catwoman and i'm almost done I am almost through the character that that my that that little stack of Catwoman uh, comics. Right. I'm currently in volume six. I'm in the middle of it. Uh, but let me just I'll just start with the first run by Judd Judd Winnick is okay. Volumes one and two, so it's about issues one through ten. Mm-hmm. It is so sexual that it I could not read the comic. 
Like I, I read through them all, but right. it was just so distracting. Yeah. And I, I, I went on the internet to see if I could find anyone explaining why, like if John Winnick is that kind of person, mm-hmm. I've never really liked his stuff, but I've never been like, he's never been a bad writer in my head. I just not a huge fan of his stuff. Sure. Um, according to several reviewers, the sexualizing was intentional to pu- make it off putting. I feel like I didn't do that the right way. It just made it uncomfortable. And I didn't like, sounds like he succeeded. He made it off putting. I, yeah, but I didn't enjoy reading it. Yeah. Like, there's a difference between making a content off-putting for the sake of being off-putting and also just making it unenjoyable. Right. And he made it unenjoyable. Um, He's way better with uh, with male stuff. Uh, he did uh, the Green Arrow Zero issue, the Zero issue of the New 52. All mm-hmm. lines have a Zero issue that is, like, kind of their origin story. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's That was enjoyable. Uh Red Hood, he did Red Hood in the out. Uh, he is the one responsible for Under the Red Hood and also just like okay. Jason Todd coming back and stuff like that. Right. And those are interesting stories. Um, so he's better with male stuff. Um, so clearly, like, I'm fine with him, uh, which can directly c- contradicts the exact thing I just said earlier. But right. who's surprised I'm self conflicting? Ann Nocenti. Who? Ann Nocenti is a writer that I cannot stand. She is actively my least favorite comic book writer now. More than Enemy of the Show Rob Liefeld? More than Enemy of the Show Rob Liefeld. Because he's just ridiculous. Okay. I haven't read his stuff. Well, I've read like one thing and I didn't like it. But Andocenti. So, you know, the phrase uh, once is an occurrence, twice is a coincidence, three times is a pattern. Mm -hmm. I have three distinct runs by her that I actively hate. Wow. Okay. And they are the only things that I've read. Like I haven't read anything good by her. I have now read three things that I actively hate and all of them are by her. This sounds like a rant ready to happen. I think before I get into it. So Catwoman, the Catwoman line written by Ann Nocenti is, uh, it's long. It's three volumes, which is Mm -hmm ballpark around 20 issues sure um she also has written katana which if you recall going back to when i read katana it's just its own self-contained thing um it had really bad pacing and the dialogue felt unnatural okay also green arrow volumes two and three of the new 52 do you remember about my opinions of the Green Arrow run of the New 52? Enlighten me. Volumes 1 through 3 are hot garbage. Volumes 4 through 6 brought to my attention Jeff Lemire, who is now my favorite comic book writer. That sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now Catwoman. Okay. All of these that I actively, while I was reading them and like when I talked about them on the podcast, I am on record of not liking them. Yep. And now I have a name to put all put with all of them, and they're all the same issues. She is a consistently bad writer. I'm sorry, Anosenti, if you're listening to this. I'm sure you're a fantastic person. Your ability to write comics is completely unrelated, like fully exclusive of your quality of a person. I just don't like the way you write. <laughs> anyway, so I'm just going to start one, one by one okay. of each of my issues that I have identified. And you said we, there were about 20 issues? 
in her run. <laughs> <laughs> I had um, to make the joke once. It's out. I don't have to make it again for good. the episode. Um, so let's talk about pacing. Yes, let's. She is god-awful at pacing. And it's... So... Let's, oh, there's so, it's so hard to just break down everything that, that I've had wrong with it. Um, she doesn't transition between scenes at all. It Mm. feels as though there is a page that is just missing. That is the transition between the scenes. And by that, I mean, any book you read any movie you watch, any graphic novel you read, with the books, it'll be the last line. With the movies, it'll also be like the last line of the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, books, last line of the chapter. Right. Uh, and with graphic novels, it's typically the last couple panels of that little scene. Mm-hmm. All have some sort of cliffhanger or reveal or like dramatic, like some sort of, oh, like there's a point for this this scene right. or or sequence that ends with 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 some new development. Right. That's just naturally how that goes because you need to do stuff. Sure. She has no sense of that. Uh, Literally everything is just like it feels like it ends in the middle of the conversation and just changes to the next like it's they're reading and two people were talking it's like oh yeah and then uh uh and then we went to Montana Next scene. That's it. No, like, like, I don't know. It just feels like it could be done just better if she made the last line, like the last sentence, a bubble over the next scene's panel. Like, mm-hmm. it, like a, so what's called an L cut. L cut? Audio is on top. No. J cut. J cut. What's up? L. Wow. What side is L's L cut? If audio or no audio is on the bottom. L cut. L cut. So, <laughs> so to explain to casual people what that was an L, what an L cut and a J cut are, uh, in video editing, you have your, your track, which is your video and your audio, your video frames are all on top and your audio waveform is on the bottom. And what an L cut is, is if they change the scene of the video before they change the scene of the audio. Mm-hmm. And so you'll see that in movies where you're where it changes like it's an establishing shot of the location of the next scene. But you still hear someone saying something from the previous scene. Right. The flip side of that is you hear someone saying something of the next scene while it's still like focusing on someone's face. Mm -hmm. And so like there's, it just helps the transitions feel more natural. Mm -hmm. She does none of that. Back to the Catwoman. She does nothing that blends the two shots together in any way, two panels together. And it just feels missing. Um, Like, so in Katana, there's one thing where someone says something along the lines of, Oh yeah, this person's in China. Next panel, she's in China. No element of, oh, looks like I'm going to China. Like mm-hmm. that would just that like pacing wise just ties the two together mm-hmm. that she's going to China. But being told that they're not that they're in China, it's just 
See, the way you describe it, I'm like, okay, I kind of like that. That's kind of cool. It doesn't feel natural when reading it. Okay. I it's I guess I just can't describe it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it feels like there's smash cuts, but not good. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, it just feels weird to read, and it feels like I'm just being jerked back and forth. Okay. And then... Kind of in that same vein, if when I said there's there's things missing, she has things happen off quote unquote screen. Right. But like substantial things. Okay. Like, um I can't place any it's I'm it's also hot in here, so I'm like my brain is not very we, clear at the we moment. We forgot to get water. Yes, we did. Um they will something will happen an event will occur and then it'll go to the next scene and then it's just like oh yeah uh they went and got uh and talked to this person and this happened like that's why didn't you show that that's pretty and it's like vital information yeah of like and then they like i don't know it's it's she does a lot of tell not show Mm -hmm. a lot of that but not only does she do that She shows and tells. There's one specific scene that just blew my mind. So there's a character who can um, make people's emotions escalate. It's called, his name is Escalate, which I'll get into into in a minute. Something. Um, And can escalate people's emotions. And so there's a scene where Catwoman's in a bar. And Mm -hmm. so what he does is he's like, I'm going to escalate all of the men in the bar's lust to get her to get out of the bar mm-hmm. and so all the guys are like hey there pretty lady and she's just like go away like his expectation was that she'd be like "Ooh," and then leave but she's catwoman so she's like i'm gonna right. beat the crap out of you um and so she proceeds to beat the crap out of them and that then she fun. walks away and then she's talking to escalate because whatever happens happened um and he's like and as they're walking away it cuts and shows the few guys that were doing that and they're like what just happened? Why are my glasses broken? Why do I hurt? Blah, blah, blah. What just happened? Like, they mm-hmm. clearly don't remember. And then three panels later, he's like, don't worry. They're not going to remember what happened. Oh. Two problems. <laughs> One, the audience knows now. We, we get it. We just read that. Two, I hate when villains explain their powers to heroes. Mm-hmm. That's so stupid. It's such bad dialogue and such bad character writing that it's just like, why? it's like the monologue, yeah. which Incredibles does a great and incredible job of commenting on that where it's like you got me monologuing (laughs) like bad guys always monologue and like this isn't even monologue this is just saying this is how my powers work okay shut up put my fist in your face (laughs) like and it's it's showing and telling and like that just blew my freaking mind i just punched my mic um this might not be an episode i'm just ranting what else uh the dialogue is weird and jarring there's always a quip but it's not it's weird quips and then there's Mm. elements of like this one's super nitpicky but i hate when different characters who don't aren't around each other use the same exact turn of phrase that's like a weird niche turn of phrase okay like if one one character says six of one and half a dozen of the other Mm mm-hmm and then three pages later, a completely different character who has not been in the same room as that character says the exact same thing. It just feels weird. It feels like the writer came across that phrase, liked that phrase, and then just used it in their comic too much. Okay. I, it's it's a weird nitpicky thing, and she does that. Because Alan Moore does that a lot in Watchmen. 
Does he? Yeah. Uh, he uses the phrase in the final estimation a lot. Mm. Um, and there's a second one that I can't place off the top of my head, but that's always the one that stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. But that always struck me as like, okay, this is an alternate reality. People are going to have slightly different turns of phrase or existing turns of phrase are going to be more popular or something. Yeah. I don't um, know. It just, it, I guess when they're too close together, mm-hmm. that's when it bothers me. But like that happened several times where, and it was, uh, not even like a common turn of phrase. It was like something about a gun where it was aim, point, shoot, done. Mm-hmm. Or like something, it was like a list of word, comma, word, comma, word, comma, word, comma, like a progress. Three people said a variation of that. Like within is, one issue. Is it supposed to be a clue that they're... Nope. It's just them doing the action. Huh. And them narrating the action. And they narrate everything. Oh. Like... No. Like over narrate, oh. including talking out loud. Mm-hmm. Which, it's one thing if you've created a Catwoman that's a little like wacko and talks to her cats sure this cat woman's not wacko and does not talk to her cats she just explains out loud her motivations and everything and it's just it's it's treating her audience like a child yeah explaining everything out loud or out loud and it's just it's bad i don't like it um preston here is engaging in a rant because he's upset yes (laughs) (laughs) uh she introduces far too many original and new characters and Mm. uses zero existing characters wow ambitious that is that can be fine Mm -hmm. if your characters are interesting every single one of them is fully one-dimensional love it just no no complexity to their character yeah you've got a, a detective that's like i'm sure catwoman is the one who's behind all of these things and i will find them and or i'll be damned do they do they have a family? Don't know. Why do they have a vendetta against this one person? Don't know, because they're told no, so they're just an op- op- yeah. oppositional person. Uh, then they have that detective has a partner that's like too tough on crime and just like is too tough on crime. I think gung ho is the phrase you're looking for. Too tough on crime, <laughs> willing to break the rules to be too tough on crime, which. Before I get into other characters, uh, real quick, uh, Anna Senti has never read a book about how law enforcement works because that character who's too tough on crime has a hunch that Catwoman is the person who murdered the person, who murdered a person, another Mm -hmm. person. And her boss is like, Hey, that's all the evidence you have is purely speculative and circumstantial. Does she care? Nope. Three pages later, she puts her under arrest. Is that something you do in law, real law enforcement? Not at all. Mm -mm. (laughs) There's literally an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine that makes an episode about the fact that he did an impulsive arrest and needs to land it. Yep. And like, or his job is over. And yep. she just, you know what? I, you're under arrest for the murder of this person. No evidence. Great. Never read a crime anything. Like, just read a crime book. Just watch The Wire. <laughs> watch The Just, <laughs> like... J- doesn't know how things work or spy stuff works because it's just like there's noir stuff happening and it's just like not yeah like ask me not and it, it makes absolutely no sense gotta be a bit of a come down after john the car oh it hurts <laughs> <laughs> um uh oh yeah there, there's uh tells not shows in the worst possible way skips scenes and explains the outcome mm-hmm. um then uh let's see yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. All right. 
it's a thoroughly unenjoyable read. Um, you remember how uh, way back when I read Static Shock? Yep. Uh, and by read, I mean I read the first two volumes or first two issues and then just looked at the pictures for the rest of it to get the gist of where it went. Mm-hmm. Did the same thing. Wow. I literally stopped reading. I just like I read the last issue of her run mm-hmm. because the next issue by Genevieve Valentina is so good. <laughs> okay <laughs> it is only one volume that i have so far i don't know if hers progresses to the next one mm-hmm. um catwoman ended the catwoman it is now selena kyle who is the kingpin of the calabrese family mob okay. family and has brought together the the remnants of the falcone and the maroni and all the other mob families of gotham and is playing them for fools to rebuild gotham but doing it into the guise of being a mob boss <laughs> And Catwoman's just doesn't exist anymore. It is genuinely great spy espionage stuff because you like watch characters go and like read into it's like, oh, they like there's a point where Mm -hmm. there's a mole like she has a mole. Another mob boss knows she has a mole and she's aware of that person is keeping them there to like, oh, it's just it's it's great after reading John Lacar. Like mm-hmm. it's like it fits and it's just, it's good. And I don't know how they just went from like zero to a hundred. So quick, <laughs> like the art style is different. The writing style all completely makes sense. The dialogue is natural. And like what they're saying, mm-hmm. like every bit of dialogue, cause it's all these people who are mob bosses, who, what their livelihood is walking on eggshells with other mob bosses or a gang war will start. Right. And so everything that every single person says is very clearly calculated. And like, <laughs> you can tell, yeah, like just words are meticulously chosen and I am so for it. Um, the writer, Jiminy Val- uh, Valentina has done pretty much nothing else in comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, she does books. She has novels. Uh, she's okay. kind of a sci-fi, I guess, maybe noir espionage-ish stuff. She doesn't have that big of a uh, uh, bibliography, but I kind of want to go and see if like some of her other stuff. She's got an award for one of her books, mm-hmm. um, and it's just you don't need to have read the Catwoman stuff up to that. It can be a completely self-sustaining thing. And so what I do, what what I would like to do is if you ever want to read a Catwoman stuff, there are a couple other books okay. that are good for Catwoman. Like mm-hmm. When in Rome is sure. a great one. Classic. Um, this run, the the uh, Genevieve Valentina run of Catwoman I think is... I think it's Valentine. Valentine? Okay. Genevieve Valentine is so good. You don't need to read the Anderson. Please don't read the, no. the Anderson <laughs> run right before it. Um, but it is just, it's so much fun to read. Uh, I just got to the annual issue, so it's a bigger issue, but mm-hmm. it follows another character that is a very pivotal espionage character. So Escalate. I'm really, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited to read like her perspective and her past. Cause mm-hmm. like it, uh, th- there's certain things that happen in the story that have to do with that, but it is just, oh, it's so good. I'm so excited to keep reading it. And part of me wants to like the reason I have only volume six and not the rest of the volumes Mm -hmm. uh, is because the convergence crossover line changes some stuff and that happens right after this. Yep. yep. Um, So I don't want to like just flip to the next issue and suddenly she's blonde, (laughs) which is a physical 
manifestation of changes that might happen over right because um, this is what's important about the catwoman character the color of her color hair. of her hair right <laughs> but it's just she doesn't do cat anymore she's like careful she's clever she gets to be clever again um so yeah that's uh that's that that is i think pretty much what i've been up to all right we're at an hour that burned an hour yeah you think we can fill time with news i got some stuff we can also just like not worry about tangents it'll help gauge cut down on the video part mm-hmm. so yeah all right well i guess we'll do net news next week we'll do a good old condiment episode next week here we go yeah it's been a while since we've done a condiment episode yeah what are we on this time i'll leave it to gauge to figure it out yeah gauge come up with a nice fun condiment but until then until then shallst we we shallst i need water me too wow Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, you can find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and iHeartRadio, and probably other places as well, but those are the ones I can remember, so I'll list those. Uh, we are on social media in the loosest sense of the preposition on, um, but we have a Facebook page, Just Us Losers, Facebook.com. <laughs> you know how to find us. Uh, we're on Twitter at Just Us Losers Pod, where maybe we get a nice little condensed and nascenti rant. Maybe. Maybe. Possibly with some like nice little visual examples. I feel like none of mine was good, so Gage might just cut it out entirely. We're on Instagram at Just Us Losers Pod, where as we get back into Chibinoptus, we'll at least slide some of those in there, kind of get let you see what's going on in our, our minds, our heads, what's what's going on there. Um we have a Gmail. I know I mentioned that up top, but that's justusloserspod at gmail.com, uh, where if you want to send us, uh, I don't know, really any any of your thoughts on any of these things, if you really appreciated these, if you have anti-Western suggestions for me, I'd love to hear them. I'm all about that. If you love Anne Nascenti, get out. If you love Anne Nascenti and want to defend her, five-paragraph essay. You know the drill at this point, probably, unless you're a new-time listener, in which case, welcome. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry we just bashed your favorite artist for 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else are we on? We have a YouTube. If you're listening to this, you're listening to the audio-only version. We do shortened, condensed versions on YouTube in case you want to see our lovely smiling faces and occasional attempts at visual humor, which mostly don't land. But you know what? We try, and I, I, I want the effort to be validated. So watch our YouTube also. Uh, just us losers at YouTube.com, probably. I don't think that's how that works. Uh, yeah, next week we're going to catch up on some news. It's going to be outdated by the time it comes out, but who cares? Who cares? Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.